For years now, leading edge security thought leaders have called for organizations to shift from a conventional peacetime view of cybersecurity to more of a wartime mindset, acknowledging and responding to the aggressive tactics of global adversaries. It is time then for enterprises to shift from conventional to unconventional security controls. I'm Nick Holland with ISMG, and today I'm joined by Jim Ralph, the Chief Security Officer of Aetna, to discuss emerging trends in cybersecurity control evolution. Jim will also be joining us at the upcoming New York ISMG Security Summit on the 14th and 15th of August. Good afternoon, Jim. Hey, how are you, Nick? Very good. So let me ask you first of all, um, what are emerging trends in cybersecurity control evolution at this point? Well, probably the most uh, significant one is a recognition uh, by most enterprises across industries today that the way we have historically measured the effectiveness of the security organization is based on the adoption and implementation and maturity of control standards that are part of a established risk framework. So NIST uh, 853 would be an example uh, of such a framework. Uh, ISO 27001 would be an example of such a framework. And these frameworks are uh, have been you know, foundational and, and really essential for uh, enterprises to have some consistent view of effectiveness in resiliency. Uh, now, what's changed uh, is that the ability of risk frameworks to evolve to the changing uh, threat actor tactics and the diversity of threat actors that enterprises have to deal with today uh, has fallen behind. And that's not uh, because the uh, frameworks uh, are lagging. It's simply because the threat actor tactics have uh, changed so quickly uh, and so significantly. And so uh, the tools that threat actors use today, the, uh, the data science that threat actors uh, apply today, uh, the wherewithal of threat actors to have access to credentials, uh, all of that is fundamentally changing uh, the cybersecurity threat landscape and uh, the attack surface uh, as technology evolves. And so we've used conventional controls in risk frameworks to have some way of assessing the effectiveness of, and resiliency of the enterprise. Uh, and that's still largely what we do today as the uh, third parties do adaptation of uh, the effectiveness of and uh, uh, efficacy of security controls uh, across enterprises. But the, the interesting thing is that in a risk-driven security program, and that's one where the enterprise changes controls based on uh, the changes to threat actor tactics that are viewed in the marketplace or in the, uh, in the ecosystem, uh, that um, is actually creating a, 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 a unique situation where the resiliency of the enterprise is much more correlated to uh, unconventional controls that aren't part of uh, control standards, that aren't part of a risk framework, uh, but are evolving and many times using newer technology and innovation in the control design. And so there's a widening gap between conventional controls, which we typically defer to, to assess uh, enterprise uh, security effectiveness and resiliency, uh, and 
unconventional controls, which actually are a much better representation of enterprise resiliency. And that gap is uh, widening uh, today. Uh, and that's not anybody's fault. It's really just uh, the fact that uh, there are more threat actors using uh, more uh, mature capabilities, which translate into different tactics uh, and making it more difficult and challenging for uh, enterprise security programs. So is, is that divergence between conventional and unconventional controls a problem? Well, it's a problem in this regard. Um, if I was assessing a third party specifically and uniquely based on their ability to uh, complete an attestation of uh, uh, control maturity based on a, a set of uh, uh, control uh, standards that are part of a risk framework, that would not necessarily be a relevant indicator of the resiliency of that enterprise. Uh, it used to be, but it's not so much anymore, and that gap is widening. So if I'm really interested, which obviously uh, I am interested in understanding more about the resiliency, I have to come up with uh, a methodology that takes into account the unconventional controls uh, that are in place. And that's where there's a challenge because there's less consistency across enterprises uh, with unconventional controls because by their very nature, they're unconventional. They're uh, they're not part of the established framework. <laughs> so, um, can you give me some examples of you mentioned emerging technologies that are playing a part in unconventional controls? What what are those? Well, probably the uh, category uh, that's having the most impact uh, and will have the most impact, uh, I believe, for you know the next decade, uh, is in applying data science to. Uh, security controls, and, and what I'm talking about is not just data science to find uh, threat actor activity uh, or anomalies and patterns and in uh, tactics, uh, but uh, using machine learning algorithms to actually drive frontline security controls. So an example of that is uh, I filter uh, email coming into an enterprise uh, today uh, based on attributes of the sending domain uh, to try to discern uh, which uh, which email is uh, legitimate and which email is uh, fraudulent. Uh, and so uh, this happens in real time in the SMTP stream because of an algorithm that was originally created across the 200 billion emails. Uh, to figure out the attribute characteristics, to build a model to identify them, uh, to do that in real time, and then apply a filter uh, to the uh, to the inbound email. So today I'm blocking email. Uh, typically, we'll get email from about 30,000 servers on a daily basis, and about 14,000 of those servers are actually uh, serving up malicious or fraudulent email on a consistent basis. And so we use the attribute characteristic of the sending domain uh, to actually block those domains or emails from those domains. All of that's done in real time, all of that through a machine learning algorithm uh, running you know, unsupervised uh, that may essentially making the uh, determination and then we're blocking the, uh, the email that's uh, flagged. So, um, so 
that's one example. Another example is uh, we use uh, a continuous behavioral-based authentication capability uh, that eliminates the need for the consumer to remember a password uh, and actually does uh, authentication based on benign behavioral attributes of the use of the technology by the uh, consumer, uh, either through a web browser or through uh, a mobile device. Uh, and we're doing authentication throughout the electronic interaction uh, so that we're, we know that it's you using your device uh, by looking across anywhere from 30 to 60 different attributes that are all each an individual algorithm that uh, maps your behavior to a pattern. Uh, and the uh, and if the risk score, which is the deviation from uh, the pattern, uh, is high enough, uh, then uh, we'll actually provide you less access on the website or the mobile app uh, and may even uh, take away your access depending on what that risk score is and what the threshold is. And all of that happens in a uh, continuous basis in real time as uh, you as the user, uh, as the consumer is using the website or the mobile app. And of course, uh, there's no friction on your side. So uh, you use your touch ID or uh, face ID, whatever biometric of choice uh, you make, uh, and that, and you're in. You're in the app, either the web app or the mobile app, and uh, uh, unfettered access, as long as your behavioral attributes map to uh, that pattern. And of course, we're not storing any of your attributes. We're just creating an algorithm uh, and matching one algorithm to another and finding out what that deviation score is, and all of that happens in uh, in real time. Now, these are examples of uh, machine learning uh, algorithms driving frontline security controls. And if we just take a look more broadly, data science is having a much more significant impact on uh, cybersecurity controls today, and that will continue. That's a trend that's going to uh, continue. It doesn't mean data science can solve all our problems because that's not necessarily the case, but it does mean that specific use cases for machine learning models uh, based on what those models do really well, uh, and that, and behavioral uh, matching is one of those things, uh, are, are going to be used more commonly uh, across an enterprise. So we have today close to 300 machine learning models uh, running our security controls today. We think it'll be up somewhere to 500 next year. Uh, and that just gives you a sense of, uh, you know, the, the growth in application and influence and control design that uh, models have today and will continue to have uh, for other enterprises going forward. And many of these models are just part of the products that we use. I have endpoint protection today. It's using machine learning models to find malware. Uh, well, I didn't, you know, we didn't build those models. We just, you know, we're using one of the top four endpoint protection vendors, and all four of them have machine learning uh, capability to identify uh, malware, and that's part and parcel of the product uh, and, and the implementation. Uh, but it's important to understand. It's an example of where you know data science is enhancing our uh, security capabilities. So, Jim, that was that was very interesting stuff. I'm looking forward, to, obviously, to your session and hearing more about this in New York in a couple of weeks. Um, that was Jim Ralph, Chief Security Officer with Aetna. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.